Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. And this is our podcast, Hippie and a Realist. Real life conversations about life and happiness. Ready when you are. <laughs> oh, I am ready. This is oh. my... Um... Okay, we're ready. <laughs> so I uh, want to take a minute before we get started and say thank you to the people who have rated and commented. Um, I learned when I was researching about podcasts that we need to have ratings. <laughs> who knew? Apparently, really? Why do you have to have ratings? Well, apparently they just don't consider you legitimate if you don't have 10 ratings. Like it, all this like internet research. Like Yelp? Is it like a Yelp rating? How do you rate? Like on iTunes, you, you rate it and comment. But the other thing is you can't just rate it and click the stars. You have to rate it and comment. Did you make a profile or you just do it just because you have the app? You can do it just because you have the app and you don't have to have a profile or anything. So people have rated and commented and I'm so thankful for that because So if you don't know how, we just told you how to do it. Yeah. And and take a minute. Even if even if it's a one and like a they suck, it's still gonna put us like in the legitimate rankings. A rotten of podcast land. It puts you in the rotten tomato. This chair is rolling, so I'm sorry it's making noise. Um, I'm trying to find a comfortable position because my body is not very comfortable right now. So let's talk about that because you were absent last yeah, week. Yeah, so I was absent last week. We um, have had a little bit of a delay with our podcast. And I think a lot of it's just because life. life. Mm-hmm. Like real life. Um, I can say I've had some like really big life stuff. Um, no, I didn't have a baby. I just feel like I had a baby. <laughs> and you're not pregnant. And I'm not. I don't. Yeah, oh, not okay. Hey, babe, I'm not pregnant. Um, so let's just start with, I started a new job four weeks ago. So that's really taken a, a big change in my life. Um, not working. I was already Do working. they know you're a famous podcaster? <laughs> I try not to tell them about that. Yeah. Um, I definitely have talked about the podcast though, um, in a different light, I think actually when I exited my last job, I let them know like as I was leaving, oh, I found out this podcast thing because I wanted a little bit to keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. But I really thought I would, at that point, like exiting would be a great time to tell people mm-hmm. about my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been sad. It's been hard to leave my last job because they're just too different. They're completely different. I've been using like my left brain and then using my right brain. So like I my whole brain has been hurting because I've been doing so much. Isn't there something fun about that though? Um, about going into a new career or a new job and just being the newbie and getting to be the sponge and soak it all up and learn and oh, it's grow been, your mind. It's been so awesome. That's actually why with the other thing that's been taking my time, I'm glad it's over. So now I can really, really yeah. dive into my new job without like too much distraction. Um, so let's just spend a quick second talk about your race. And then I had my race, yeah. And then so we finished with my marathon. So the other thing I was doing... 50K. I had a, my first 50K, my first marathon, my first ultra marathon trail 50K, which was crazy, really fun. <clears throat> um, and you know, it, I just want to put this out there because I've, so I've run two marathons and I said I would never, ever, ever run another one. But being out there in the vibe of all of the people... It just, I was like, maybe I could do a 50K. I just, there's something so spirited about the team effort, even though at its core, it's a competition, it's a race, but 
it's like everybody's for everybody and <laughs> you're unless you're one of the top you know three or four people in your in your class then you know everybody's there for everybody so I can't say much because it's my very first uh, time running not my first time kind of being in that community but every every person I've met in this community is says it is not like road running Road running and marathons, the first thing people say, oh, well, what's your time? And next, people say, oh, you run ultras? You want to have a beer? <laughs> um, and it's it's really about community. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely about community. I don't mm-hmm. know if you felt that way. I felt that just being on the trail. It was really a yeah. neat thing. So I, I did all my training, all my marathon runs in San Diego. They're on pavement. And then um, to come up here and have to run two miles down a trail to find you... <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's raining. It's muddy. I'm glad I have on a sports yeah. bra. Glad I have on running shoes. But to be down there, and we were at mile 18, and um, you know they were just so supportive, and everyone's just rallying everybody, and it was just really cool to be standing there in the rain, the mud, and just like waiting. You know, yeah. it was neat. It was neat to be on the other side. It is. It's a, that community. It's just as fun because before I ever ran, that's why I wanted to run it. As I was there with my husband, and I was like jealous. I'm like these people are having this awesome time. I, I wanted to be a part of it, you know, mm-hmm. so it was something that I, I, I'm not, I'm not knocking any road running. If you're road running, you're, you're out doing something and you are pushing yourself and that's awesome. Just would really highly recommend to hit the trail because you're going to see great scenery, so, yeah. great people. And it's, it's in the last 10 years I've spent trail running now. And I think that it is so much easier on your body too. Yeah. Like there's just the squish you don't have on pavement. But this lady, it's funny because I was I was reflecting on my marathons while we were waiting because I was waiting a good half hour, 45 minutes for you down there. And, um, you know, I was kind of talking in the tone as if I had done it, you know, because I had. I'd, I'd run two marathons. And she goes, oh, wait, um, let me get this straight. So you didn't do a 50K? <laughs> that was like suddenly felt very unimportant and, and um, not like part of the conversation that they were having. And then she says, well, well, where did you run your marathon? And I said, oh, in San Diego. And she's like, oh. And then suddenly it was like, no, you're not a part of the crew. You're not a part of the no, group. You don't, I don't understand. No, I don't think it's like so that. So then I had to say, then I had to be like, but I live here. And I'm you know, like, I'm like fighting to reclaim like my status yeah. in this trail. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it, it was cool. It, so the, the whole trail thing, the marathon 50K, I did have to train for it, so it was taking a lot of my time, especially there at the end. I was really trying to focus on that. On top of I have, I you know, have two sweet little blondies, and I got a handsome bearded man at home, which require a lot of my attention, and I just said, Kayla, I, I got to finish this marathon, and then I'll get back to you. So I checked out a little bit, but in a good way. Um, I don't know if you, those of you that listened to the last podcast, I thought it was a really good opportunity for you to, Michaela, to put your book out there too and talk about Be You Find Happy, like the, the manuscripts because yeah. it's out there too. So it, it was a really great podcast. I think you were all like Thanks. worried about yourself. I was. No, I thought it was, it was great. I actually listened to it from a different standpoint of than just being our podcast. And I was really like, oh, she nailed it. She did awesome. I was really surprised I talked for 30 minutes straight to no one. <laughs> like literally sat in this room and talked to the microphone for 30 minutes. I was shocked. 
Oh, really? Because that's, yeah. like, most of my day in the shower. I'm, like, always talking to myself. I do talk Pretending to myself like, a lot. Maybe that's why. See, see, when I was a kid, though, we always played, like, audience. Like, yes. watch me. My kids play it, too. And so I think it's a little bit easier to envision. And plus, I did, like, theater and stuff like that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit... So I have to tell you a funny story on the heels of that, which is that when my brothers and I were little, you know, we grew up in the trailer. We didn't have any power, so we didn't have TV. We had to entertain ourselves another way. Well, my parents would turn on um, the generator like once a week, and I'd get to watch a show, and I would watch um, a soap opera. It was called Days of Our Lives. I've never heard of Days of Our Lives. <laughs> okay, so it's probably the same plot as it was no, back Michaela, then. I'm totally kidding. Okay, I, what? No, I know you're kidding. Okay. Come on. Oh, but you guys, okay. Yes. Gotcha. So, so at this time, Carly was dying, and she was put in a coffin, and she was buried alive. And so, I made my brothers filming with this, like, big old monstrosity of a video camera, and I, like, acted out that I was Carly in the coffin banging. My parents saw that video somewhere. I want to see this. Oh, it's bad <laughs> it's, it's I think it bad would be a good, in the like, worst way a good um edit with all of your editing sound assistant recording because yeah see that that's moving now no it's it's way over here it's moving over here oh so she's talking about the new app I'm using Adobe Audition oh I had the whole Adobe suite and then when I found out they had this functionality I thought this would be really cool to use because editing and I taught myself how to bleep so if we cuss I can bleep please don't bleep me out I want to be authentic and be myself. I'm just kidding. Fuck. Yeah. So I think other people, Michaela, this is all doable. You're doing a really good job with this podcast. You're t- teaching yourself. Oh, that was nice. It's a new task that you're learning, and so kind of like your new job. So kind of like my, your new job. So it doesn't have to be a new job. It doesn't have to be a 50k. It could be something little and a yeah. hobby. And I really applaud you. I love continual learning. I think yeah. it's so important. I think it's what defines us as humans. So Matt's really been getting into space. Like He's always been into space, but he's been getting a lot more into space because they're about to send the first human up. So they actually launched Ripley a couple of days ago, who's a fake human in a pod. And he stayed up to watch the launch at, you know, whatever, Fort Canaveral or whatever. What is it? In I, Florida. I, you, I, you're, I don't know space. So okay, so fill me in. So I we also... were just talking about how far humans have come from our desire for more knowledge. It's crazy. It's crazy, like, how we constantly seek. Well, yeah, we're putting people, fake people in space, you know. We've come a long way. Just think of, like, starting from just common shelter. Common things that you and I think about. And they're like, you know what? I think I want my structure to be permanent. I don't think I want to have to boil water to take a tub. I think I want to have hot water constantly on demand, you know? Electricity. It's crazy. Those things. We've come a really long way to how we problem solve, how we task things out, how we added currency to mm-hmm. all of this equation, which has been a really weird one. So I love the direction this whole conversation is circling because I had a concept in mind for this for this podcast, for episode five. 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 Um... We, we just went to the Valley of Fire, and we were looking at the petroglyphs, and, you know, every time we go to the desert, and we go to the desert every winter, and it's funny, because people say, like, oh, I hate the desert, and I'm just, I'm so mind-blown by that, because to me, the desert is such an incredibly spiritual place. It's one of the few places in the United States that you can go and literally see 
for Naya. Hundreds of thousands of millions of trillions of stars. You know, you can really kind of geek out on space and geek out on astrology and geek out on all that kind of stuff. Um, And what's interesting is like the further you go, the further something is. It never gets closer in the desert. You know what I mean? You can be like, I want to go to that mountain. And you're going. And it's like, man, that mountain is way further than I thought it was. So we went to Valley of Fire, saw the petroglyphs. um, But I kind of had this couple of days of just really interesting stuff. So to start, um, (laughs) I had gone to bed on... um, the, the night, like the night before we left, I'd gone to bed at about 8.30. I was just fried. Like my brain was done. I was wiped out. And it was just like, you know, when Tucker was little, I used to go, when he got to that point, I just go and put him in his crib. I'm like, you're done. You're done with your day. Time to, to lights out, you know, kind of thing. Or even if it was in the middle of the day, I'd put him in his crib and be like, nap time. And, um, and I think that's made him a really good sleeper. But Matt, um, he was like, you're grandma. Why do you got to go to bed so early? Hang out with me, you know, watch the show. And I was like, I just don't think I can. If I fall asleep on the couch watching a show, I am the most grumpy human on the face of the earth. Like I will rip out of this like, if you try to wake me up, I don't like it. I want to, I want to have a very Zen sleeping experience and falling asleep on the couch. The TV is not it, but so many people struggle with sleep issues. I mean, so many people struggle with sleep issues. So I actually um, pulled Instagram and said, what time do you go to bed? And I'm thinking everybody's going to come back and be like 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And I'm super grandma for hitting the sheets at 10.05 at the latest. And literally everybody except two people came back and said 9, 9.30. Like 9 to 9.30 was most people's bedtime. Yeah, that's about my bedtime. Is it really? Yeah. So, so I, I'm in bed at 9 and on my phone for about 30 minutes. And so by 9.30, if maybe it's like 10 o'clock and I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to have to be hurting tomorrow. So when we were in the desert, it's the middle of the winter, right? I mean, there's – what I want to get around to and what I want to circle back to is how sleep affects mental health and everything and how even having your phone in your bed affects – your sleep. I have, I have two phones now by my Blue head. light. It's the blue light. It's the and blue we need to talk. So I actually did, I actually did print some stuff. Not only on the space. This is so weird. Okay. Because I just realized yesterday what blue light and red light were. Oh, really? <laughs> yesterday. I swear to God. My daughter, she's like, mom, my Kindle fire is not working. My, and I'm going, what? I'm like, trying to turn the light up I'm like something's wrong I know I'm on the verge of needing glasses and I can't figure out and then I the it gives me this little bloop that blue light is bad for you it says it in there so many hours a day and I was like yes and so then I change it and then I go back and I was like huh so of course you're printing out something about blue light when I just learned there are no accidents okay so so to kind of circle back let me like go back to your desert yeah let me go back well let me let me pull in all the points I'm going to get to one of them is that is the desert and the human nature of going to bed when it gets dark, right? Not having this superficial light. The second one is actually related to the direction in which we sleep. So from an Ayurvedic standpoint, things like that, like which way is your magnetic head facing as it relates to the magnetic poles of the earth, mm-hmm. north, south, east, west. 
And then the second piece of all of this is really interesting is that um, I actually went on Friday to a cacao dream journey. This is my second one with um, this beautiful spirit. I mean, she is incredible and she's actually going to be a guest on our podcast. We talked Jesus. about it. Okay. Um, so she leads you on a lucid dream. So this is all just kind of tying in. She going to do this on the podcast for me. I would love for her to do that. She definitely wants to do it in person, but she, she plays guitar too. And she's magnificent and really hoping she can show a little of those gifts to everybody because. Ooh, I'm excited. Yes. She is a definite up and coming spiritual guide. Like she already has, uh, has arrived, but, um, I've seen it grow and grow and grow. even just in the time that I've been going to her dream journey. So she's magnificent. It's really cool. Um, my okay. grandma's gonna love that. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So. <laughs> Sorry. On that note, edit. we'll take a little break. So, in the desert, um, it, and seeing these petroglyphs that got me thinking about Paleolithic times and cavemen and kind of... Um, I think they were called cave women too, or they were just cave men. You know, I don't know. I think they they are human ancestry. Um, it's funny that you bring that up though, because Tucker and I both put on our hashtag future is equal shirts and took a picture in the desert, so it's funny you said that. Um, but I was thinking about, and I did a little research, and there were two different types of people, and um, there were the ones who slept in long periods, okay, and then there were the ones who slept in shorter periods, but twice per day. So those would be your night hunters and things like that. So I think my husband would fall into the criteria, and they call it, there was a name, it was a by something, meaning you had two sleep cycles. And I think my husband would fall into that because he's, he's, um, he's a siesta kind of guy. And one, he struggles a lot with sleep. It's very different than me. I, I don't know if it's because I didn't grow up with a TV in the room and I grew up without electricity for a lot of my years. I, I don't have any problem. I hit the pillow. I go to sleep. It's dark out. It's blackout. You lived, you, bedtime was blackout. And you'll even notice in my home when you come after dark. There are no overhead lights on. They're all table lamps. They're dimmable. We don't, we don't, we start to cocoon. We start to kind of hibernate. And that's really important to me. And I think that um, from the reading that I've done and the work, you know, as a therapist is that how you spend your last couple hours of the day is so imperative. It's like super important from the perspective of prepping and going into your sleep. You know, are you having tea? Are you taking a tub? What is the lights like in your home? But it's also important um, from a gratitude perspective. How are you ending your day um, reflecting on your gifts from that day to prepare you mentally for your dream state and going into the next day and how you're going to wake up essentially the next day. So I've been doing this, this little practice. So, you know, we don't have a TV in our room. It's my Zen space. Absolutely no electronics. Um, it, and, and part of that plays into the fact that the blue light and I, and I did highlight the, the statistics here on, on the blue light and what it can do, but there's an entire article, um, from Harvard about this. And it says even dim light can interfere with a person's circadian rhythm and melatonin secretion. A mere eight lux, a level of brightness exceeded by most table lamps, and about twice that of a nightlight has an effect. 
says this Stephen Lockley, a Harvard sleep researcher. Light at night is part of the reason so many people don't get enough sleep. So if you're on your phone in your bed, you're jacking up your sleep. 30 minutes you spend right before you go to bed on your phone. Yeah. So, so, I have started very consciously, and I've done this for a long time in the way of electronics and dimming lights, but I've started very consciously to set, there's a really cool function on iPhone called bedtime. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I use it. You use it. So I I set my bedtime, and it gives me an alert prior, Mm -hmm. okay, and in that 30 minutes prior, I'm doing no blue light at all. I'm journaling. Okay. Having my tea meditating, things like that. And then I'm waking up a full half hour earlier to do my morning kind of stuff, which we could talk about in another podcast. But uh, it is crazy how my attitude has improved immensely. By lack of of the screen time? I think it's a combination of... Or the electronics or the technology. Or... See, but I've been doing the technology thing for kind of a long time. Aside from if we'll watch a show. If we watch it, like I said, if we watch a show and I fall asleep on the couch or something, that just just janks me up, makes me so angry. Um, but I, I feel like I got this permission from everybody that 9.30 is an acceptable bedtime and that I don't need to like stay up super late to try to appease the masses in my home. <laughs> Well, you, I think you come down to what works for you. Every family is different, you know. Mm-hmm. We have to go to bed early because we have to get up early. That's what our schedule allows. Like mm-hmm. I'm out the door. My kids are awake at six six fifteen. We're out the door six thirty. So for us, we have to go to bed. There, if they're they don't go to bed before eight o'clock, like they're garbage the next day. So we've had to find ways. And, and it's a routine. The only way that we're successful at that is if we, we keep our routine, which is simple. Once you eat, you know, as soon as you're done eating dinner, you brush your teeth. Well, you're already in the bathroom. Go ahead, hit the bath. And say, so, no, the bath jammies, teeth are brushed. Then we can do our family night activity if that's – because by this point, 6 o'clock, homework should already been done. It's done as right. an after-school right. program or right. a parent right after school. So we hit our same routine. Then we get that afternoon activity. Sometimes, though, we find with that activity, though, that, that the mood is, is amped, right? Mm-hmm. I get really excited. We have to, just like the lights you were talking about earlier, we have to kind of, like, turn them down. Right. And we wind turn down. our, wind ourselves down. It's it's that closed down time. But we you have to kind of stick to that pattern, that closed down. There's some really, I got to think of that book. Let, let me tell you this crazy thing that I did not realize until I went to a, my first sound healing, sound bath. Um, this, this guy had this this like tool where he can listen to electronics to the noise that humans can't hear but is there but we can hear it we feel it just on a different energetic level and so he held up your basic cell phone it literally sounds like this then he held up this tool to the wall where Basic electricity is running through the walls to power your lights and things like that. Even when the lights aren't on, the electricity running through your house sounds like this. <sighs> oh, I never even thought of that. It's an immense sound that is constantly like there in our brain. Like we're constantly hearing it, but we're not hear we're not aware we're hearing it because it's at a different tone that we're not cognitive of. But it's there. It's absolutely there. And we absolutely feel the effects but of it. But how come we're not cognitive of it? Or are we? We just don't realize it. Because I think that we're choosing the 
greater conveniences of our modern amenities. So while we were in the desert, okay, we're in the middle of Death Valley in the wintertime. There is not a single soul. We, the way we like to camp and stuff, we bomb down a dirt road, BLM land, and park it. <laughs> so we did that. And here we are in the middle of this desert, and the silence is incredulous. Like, it's just beyond anything. It's almost where if you are not prepared for it, it's, like, painful. Scary. Come back at you. It's weird. It's like a weird thing. So... The first night, it's funny, the first night that we're on the cab over trips, we always have a tough time settling into like, yeah, it's okay to go to bed at 7.30 because we're like, man, we're tired. And it's like 7.30. Yeah, because it's dark. And traditionally in Paleolithic era, early, you know, human ancestry, when it was dark, they maybe had a little fire. And when the fire burned out, that was that. And their, their day was done. You know, they didn't try to cram another four hours of crap into their day. They worked hard and they embraced the change of seasons and the change of the day and, and that sort of thing. And we've just completely abolished that. We've abolished it. We are have zero sense of our, you know, we we check the weather by what somebody tells us who is, you know, they're usually pretty spot on. But there was no weatherman before. You prepared because you were you lived in the environment. You, Correct. You, you were attuned to nature. Attuned to nature. You felt a cold front coming in. Things that you were aware of. You you know it's like, I think you people were actually way more prepared than they if, today. Right. I mm-hmm. threw you out in the woods. All electricity gone today. Mm-hmm. And you were out in the woods. You're not. You're gonna have a hard time tracking the weather initially because you haven't been accustomed to the elements. But I think over time, though, you do become accustomed to the elements. Um, animals do it all the time. I, I never get the story of um, m- down in Texas. My uh, family was down there, and a hurricane was coming. And they knew because the news had told them, hey, it's time to pack your stuff, come to evaluate. And um, one of our family members drives home, and there's a gator in her yard. Oh, my. Well, what's a gator normally doing? It's not up in her mm-hmm. yard, but it knows it needs to find higher ground. Wow. It knows a storm's coming. Wow. Um, it's so intuitive. It's so intuitive because it's aware it's lived through those kind of things where I think we do have those senses, but we've those are things that we've lost. Or we've chosen to ignore them. Chosen to ignore them. It's hard See, to say. It's hard, it's to, hard say. to say. I think we've, that we're at the point, though, now, I think, where you don't even know, unless you stop and think about that stuff or you experience those, you don't even know that exists. My kid doesn't know what that is. Right. But I promise you, if if it if we had been raised outside, by the time my seven-year-old, she would also know. And she'd mm-hmm. also be yeah. able to have the senses or have an awareness of it. So here we were in the in the desert, Death Valley and the Valley of Fire. We, we went to a couple different points of interest. And... What I found was how easy it was to settle into exploration. It's really interesting, this shift that happens when you don't have all this other stimulus. It's it's really a beautiful thing. And so I say that to segue into this this cacao dream journey. Okay, let's hear about it. Okay. So, for, oh, wait. First, I want to circle back on the direction in which we sleep. This is so crazy. So in Ayurvedic medicine... And for those of you, you know, who don't know Ayurveda, um, it's worth taking a look at. It's very old, old kind of medicinal 
Eastern medicine it's one of the it's of... an Eastern medicine concept, and I'm probably going to be butchering it, so I don't want to give it too much. But it's actually one of the um, it's Eastern medicine. The, it's the, like the Hindu version of Feng Shui. Kind of. <laughs> well, no, I don't want to give Ayurveda. I'm going to come back to that because I don't want to give Ayurveda um, a bad rap. But Michaela, go ahead, and we'll I'll give a better definition of Ayurveda. So if you sleep to the north, if your head is pointing to the north. Like, you are in the worst possible position for the best sleep you can get. If your head is facing north, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how do you think Jon Snow feels about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the earth has a magnetic pole that extends from north to south, right? So, the human being is also a magnetic pole, right? We we know this. Like, you're going to, if you get a lightning strike, you're done. Well, not always, but mostly. You're, you're a magnetic source. You're a magnetic being. You're an energetic You're going to be like that movie. What's that guy? White. Was it Powder? He'll never be the same. Did you remember the movie Powder? No, I never saw it. Oh, gosh. That's the next one. So, bottom line, sleeping with your head into the north draws energy out of the body, disturbing the mind-body-spirit integration, according to Robert E. Svoboda, an Ayurvedic physician. Okay, so for East, sleeping with your head pointing East is a boon for any academic pursuits. It boosts memory, increases concentration, and promotes meditative sleep, resulting in good health, according to creepalu.org. And that's the direction I sleep, too. We both sleep East. I know. I know. I was thinking about your bed when I was reading this. I'm like, I think she's East, too. I'm totally an Eastern sleeper. Um, But only because I, that's in my room set up, but thanks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but we do need to abolish your television and your phone from the room. No, I, I'm we'll keeping get my uh, old TV and my phone. What? Even okay, I'll try it. Maybe, maybe I'll try it. This needs to be your Zen space. It is my Zen space. My bedroom has come a long way. <sighs> this is true. Okay, Sleeping West is a mixed bag. Many suggest that Sleeping West is ideal for those who are success-driven, striving for fame, wealth, and a stellar reputation. So if your goal is to take over the world and have 1.4 million followers on Instagram, go West, it says. So maybe we need to t- turn our shit around so that our podcast can be successful. <laughs> who cares if it's successful? We're doing something. I think It's I, good for us. It's great for us to put ourselves out and there. And we really appreciate all 400 listeners that we have. I do. I appreciate every single one of you. Okay, so South. It says South is the winner. Oh, winner. Okay, South. Yes. Going back to the magnetic pole theory, a mutual attraction, head positive, South negative, creates a harmonious exchange that draws energy into the body rather than out. This direction promotes health, happiness, and prosperity. Okay. So So, ideally, you're putting your head to the South. We should probably talk about doing a challenge in the future. Not today, because I'm not prepared. Um, Of... We do like a month in each sleeping direction. In each sleeping direction, and we check in with where we are. That'd be cool. But I think we should um, start with south south facing being our last one. Yeah, because they say that. Dude, I don't want to sleep to the west. That sounds just or to the north. That sounds terrible. I have to put my head in my closet. (laughs) But we can do it. It's okay. Yeah. Well, we've done that. We've done that before. Ironically, so Matt and I, when I first moved in, he had the bed face that way. And I slept here a couple nights and was like, I can't do this. This is not right. It doesn't feel right. So can we t- talk about that for a second? Yeah. Like I felt like it didn't feel right. You Intuitively, felt like I think I tapped into something. Now, did you feel that way and then read that or read no, that No, this was article? years ago. This was like 10 years ago that I, when I moved in and I was like, God, I wake up and this just feels, it didn't, 
the energy didn't feel right. But I've done like the feng shui for a long time and read the books and stuff. So maybe there was something there. I don't know. But it did not feel right. And he's asked, can we move the bed? And I'm like, no, <laughs> we can't move the bed. The bed is staying here. This is where I like the bed. I wake up in the morning, I feel good, and I look out the window and I get to see this pine tree and it makes me feel happy. And now I think there's something to it. So you're going to flip your bed? No, because if I put my head to the south... You're going to be the same... I'm going to stick my head out the sliding glass door. And I cannot sleep peacefully with that. Yeah, that would kind of trip me out. Oh, that just gave me the chills thinking about it. Okay, Okay, Katie Ayurvedic. So the, here's Webster's dip, uh, definition of Ayurveda, which I don't actually really like because it's a very Western uh, definition of okay, it. But fair. I'm going to give it to you from a legit Webster's uh, Western uh, definition. A form of alternative medicine that is a traditional, that is the traditional system of medicine of India and seeks to treat and integrate body, mind, and spirit using a comprehensive holistic approach, especially by emphasizing diet, herbal remedies, exercise, meditation, breathing, and physical therapy. Well, so plus all the elements. It, it, I mean, they didn't pitta, even mention that. But vata, yeah, vata. et cetera, et cetera. So they, they don't, it's a pretty... But the thing that I don't really like about that definition, to be honest with you, is it's considered an alternative medicine. Um, it was actually the only form of medicine. <laughs> medicine. The yeah. medicine yeah. Um, for a long time, which was how all medicine was, like, you know, off herbal remedies, diet, um, prayer. Those, that's yeah. it. That was medicine mm-hmm. before. Um, so to say that it's the alternative, we look now, measure, you know, uh, medicine today is fact-based. Um, things that are measurable that you can measure. Um, Let's call it statistics-based. Statistic? Did I say fact-based? Yeah, but I feel like it's more statistics. Like they're taking a bunch of people, they're doing this thing, and whatever percentage. Of no, people... I mean fact-based. Like I run your blood, and you have this much in your blood. That's a oh, fact. gotcha. Okay, so it's fact-based. Mm-hmm. It's measurable. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. One thing I wanted to. Um, that I found really kind of interesting while I was in the desert and I was geeking out on all sorts of stuff was the rain that we've had this year and how we're on the heels of these drought years and we've just had this mad rain. But there's this thing, and um, my father-in-law will appreciate this because he really wanted to find it, but we were about a couple days too early. It's called the super bloom. And so it's something that happens in the desert and it doesn't, it, ha- it happens every year for just a few days, but some years it's super. It's like they had just the right amount of rain and moisture and, and the succulents and the cacti and all the desert creatures and, oh, well, desert plant life bloom like immensely, like the most beautiful you've ever seen. I went to Anza Borrego a couple years ago. This was like 12 years ago now. Where's Anza Borrego? Down by Palm Springs outside gotcha. of San Diego. And it, it, it was stellar. I mean, you, you know, these, these plant, this plant life that is just so gnarly and nasty and all of a sudden it's got these beautiful flowers and it buds for like three days and that's the seed spread. And it's incredible that mother nature knows what she needs and she or takes when, it and creates and it. And when, when to bloom, like th- that's the, the, the beauty of nature, of life, that it knows when they are the right element to naturally reproduce itself with evolution that things still reproduce and still survive you know more plants are still growing every year flowers come back the fact that nature can have that own balance even you know we're part of it but outside of of us why can't i think of my words i'm so 
Because you just ran 50. I'm freaking my brains are sucking. 30.2, 31.2 miles yesterday. So I can't come up with anything. Okay, but so so let me let me go in a slightly different direction then. Go talk really about your super bloom. I want a super bloom. No, I want to talk about my lucid sleep journey, my cacao dream journey. Okay. So, what? I, I try to explain this to people when I, when I say that I'm going on this, and they're like, it sounds like an acid trip. <laughs> but basically, you drink this medicine, which is cacao tea. Okay, this does sound like an acid trip. Keep going. I personally would not know. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that, because some people in this room may, but I do not. <laughs> I may And grandma is not going to like that either. How you like them apples. Okay, so. Uh, Yellow. You drink this tea um, with this medicine, and um, then you kind of lay down, and you're awake. This sounds like ayahuasca. you're not awake. Well, see, and I can't help but wonder about ayahuasca because of that. Okay, keep telling me about this. I'm so interested. It's amazing. Like, I've, I've done it now more than once, and it's, and it's interesting how the experience is completely different. But... Um, Winter, um, who who leads this this cacao dream journey at this yoga studio, um, is an incredibly gifted, talented woman who travels to Guatemala and Brazil and Costa Rica, and she brings back these um, this these kind of secrets from the elders in these tribal communities, and she is just like. I swear, I see her and I'm like, oh my god! Like I, my heart flutters a little bit. She's like celebrity. <laughs> it's like that. It's that powerful for me. So, so I, uh, so you drink the tea, you and you lay down, and you know, of course, she blesses the sacred space to keep yucky out and all of that. Um, I brought my mother-in-law this last time, and she was like, "Am I gonna have a nightmare? What's gonna happen?" You know, she was really scared. I said, "No, no, it's gonna be a beautiful experience. You're, You're not gonna, gonna trip the process. Keep <laughs> going. I love it." Keep telling me. So, um, and then she takes you on this journey and it's always, um, it always pertains to the moon cycle and where we're at seasonally, etc. So this one was kind of, um, planting a garden, so to speak. So the seeds of life kind of stuff. But, um, when you go into this space without going into great detail about my own personal journey this time, uh, when you go into this space, um, you're tapping into a part of your brain beyond the frontal cortex that allows you to really draw into that kind of guttural instinctual self that we've silenced with our electronics and silenced with our modern amenities in our life and in my journey this time it was really spectacular because um, we went into the earth we went into a cocoon and we got to build a cocoon out of an element and i built mine out of fire which was spectacular you could, you know, earth, water, fire, um, air. And I built mine out of fire, which was just incredible. And then you go through this underground tunnel and it leads you to this space via a star in this particular dream journey. The last one was very different. That was not the course that we took. Um, but every time that I, that I go on these dream journeys, I have, um, a physical manifestation of tears while I'm in this space of sleep. Um, and you are exhausted. It is like you ran a marathon. You are so... I it sounds like a trippy drug thing. I literally have awesome. to sit in the yoga room You for, took your mother-in-law to this? I did. Amanda, Amanda and I have been going for a while. Is this legal? 
It's legal. It's absolutely this legal. legal. I'm sorry. I just keep... This is... So, but what was so powerful... I will share this part because I've been struggling a lot lately between the podcast and books and the direction of myself and, you know, kind of my words and what do I want to share and what do I not want to share and how much of myself do I want to put out there and, you know, just all of that. And I went on this dream journey and what was incredible is there was this tribe of women. It was like Woodstock. We were like in the rain and it was, we were dancing and what was amazing was it was this beautiful feminine energy and they were all saying, we are here with you. Like we are you. It was incredibly powerful. So beautiful. And such, and, and so, oh, just so heartwarming. Like I felt so safe. And, um, Anyway, after I came out, and there's all sorts of things that happen that... Like you, you get know. diarrhea and you throw up? No, that oh, okay. would be ayahuasca. No, no, no. But the connect and tap into other stuff that affirm for me that I'm where I'm supposed to be. So, for example, when we started this dream journey, we you she invites you to give yourself an affirmation or a mantra. Mine was, my words have global wings. At the end of the dream journey, we blossomed from our cocoon. I did not know we were going into a cocoon when I assigned my mantra. This was before we started the journey. We blossomed out of our cocoon with wings and I got to fly. uh, Right? I'm just saying there's just, it's stuff like that. And every So if you're feeling drawn to this podcast and you feel like we are speaking to you, this is from her manifestations in her cocoon. And so I would keep listening. I'm just serious. If you feel that you have to keep listening to this, because it drives you up a wall to hear what we have to say. But you're coming back for more. Welcome. If you are like, I totally get it. I get what they're saying. I keeps coming back. Hey, keep coming back. We want to keep sharing our feelings with you. Love that. So, what I think is special about this lucid dream place is that everybody who was there has a different experience, right? But what was incredible to me is um, I think we all have the ability to tap into this. Mm-hmm. And by robbing ourselves of our nightly sleep, we're not allowing our body to do what it naturally needs to do from a human instinctual level. What do you think the long-term effects of that are going to be on society? Oh, I think they're already here. I think the incredible angers that we express, the illnesses that we have, the cancers, things like that. I think it's already here. Our bodies need time to heal. They need time to tap into a more soulful, spirited existence. And I think they do it via sleep. Do you think if we were more in tapped into our spiritual feelings more than our physical feelings? That's how I, I put them in the two categories, physical and then our spiritual um, we would probably have less depression and we would have less suicide. I absolutely think so. I absolutely think sleep is one of the key areas impacting our happiness. And I've seen it even just in my own self, going to bed a half hour later or falling asleep to the television, things like that, or even watching a show that's depressing and then going to bed, how it Im- impacts my whole next day. It's like I carry the story of the show into my dream rather than affording myself the ability to create my own story and my own dream. You ever wake up satisfied from like an amazing dream? Yes. You're like, dude, my I mind is... I want to go back. I want to go back. Yes. Or my mind is so cool that it created this 
like book book in this cooler yes. cooler than any movie yes. I've ever seen. Yes. That I have the ability to create that in my own head that almost like I wish I could remember because I would be like the next Steven Spielberg. Like this is where the greatest human development came from. Our ancestors had a lot of time to sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, they also had it way harder because they had to cook their hot water for a million hours to take a bath. But so to wrap it up, I think things that people can immediately do right now, like not don't have to go drink a funky tea. They can do it right now. Um, start dimming lights, using table lamps, switching bulbs where possible to red light from blue light. Um, not having electronics in the room and taking a few minutes before bed to kind of reflect on the day. I think just close out your day with what you want to go to your next space, which is your dream space with. Well, I think also to create that space, create it, bath time, bath time, create your space, journaling. Exactly. This is some really, really good tips. It's pretty appropriate because you're exhausted. I am freaking fried. You need to go night night. I'm going to go night night. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out our links. Bye bye.